Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Super necessary. God, Eric, my God! Unbelievable! Just like that! Come and done! You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me! You can't say much other than wow. So hello, welcome back to Super Necessary. Um, today, I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Harry and George, the Hardwick brothers, uh, both got upcoming fights uh, next few weeks. So really glad to have you on, lads. Thanks for joining us. Hello, mate. Thanks for having us. How's things? Everything okay? Training going well? Uh, yeah, sound. Uh, feeling good. Both did pads this morning. Both feeling sharp. Uh, I'm fighting next week so I'm getting into sort of being a bit dumber phase of fight camp where I'm just like ah fuck it I'll do whatever uh, just being an idiot's the best way to mentally prepare yourself for a fight I think um, so yeah does that sort of go hand in hand with um, like weight cutting do you prefer to be an idiot when you're cutting as well especially in the last week or so I don't know you just kind of if you can become a, I don't have to cut a lot of weight to be fair it's not too tough for me but if I can just be a bit dim and just let everything happen without really caring about it, then I'm sound. Yeah, yeah, sounds. Um, so let's let's talk about your upcoming fights then. So how do you've got? Um, you're fighting Federico Pasquale. Um, tell us what you you know about him and how how you see the fight playing out. Uh, yeah. So Federico Pasquale, he sort of had a. Decently impressive Cage Warriors debut in April where he managed to stop Paul McBain fairly quickly. Um, it's a little bit like a little bit marred by the fact that the stoppage itself was quite premature. I think the ref jumped in a bit too soon. And also Paul McBain has come out and said he, he essentially got knocked out holding pads the week before that fight, which would kind of explain why his, he seemed to get knocked down so easily off a jab that didn't look like it had a whole lot on it. But yeah, Pasquale looks like sort of explosive striker um, tends tends to like swing things pretty hard um, tries to smash his big low kicks in uh, he doesn't have an Instagram himself but I went on his coach's Instagram and he, he is a black belt in jiu-jitsu this Pasquale fella uh, yeah like <laughs> I've not I've not seen anything mind-blowing in his fights he's you know, other than McBain, he's fought cans. Like he fought a guy a foot shorter than him who had tits in um <laughs> in, in one of his fights in Italy, and it's just like 
his grappling just looks correct. It doesn't look special. It doesn't look like there's anything that, that like jumps off the page. Like, oh shit! Yeah. Like, we need to be fucking on that, or else that's mm. a problem. It just looks like he does things right. Yeah, um, like he's technically sound, but it's not, and you've not seen before. Yeah, and it's and it's again, it's against fucking whoppers on yeah. his own gym, on his own gym show in Italy. Like, <laughs> um, I'm just gonna batter him. It's like you watch his finishes and you think, oh, it's back takes and his rear naked chokes are all right, but then you've got no one to compare it to where he's fought fought someone who's scrambling to get out all the time. You know, it's it's not the same. Yeah, I have. It's like we, me and me and Pasquale have had very different paths. It's like throughout my first eleven pro fights now, I've just had like really, really hard competition for every single one of them. Like, I don't think I've. This might be the first time I've ever fought someone with less pro fights than me. Thinking about it, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Normally, you're at like a two to one experience disadvantage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so that's that's quite nice. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna go batter this whopper. Uh, he's, he, this is gonna be the toughest test for him, then, basically. Like, he's never come across anyone like you, yeah. Yeah, he'll probably be sort of like riding high on confidence. He'll have that feeling of, of um, invincibility about him. I think it stylistically, it's kind of similar to when George fought an Italian, like, um, it's similar to Nicola Solli. I just feel like on a psychological level, it'll be similar to that as well, where he'll, it'll sort of like, the mistakes will start cascading when things start going wrong because he's not used to things going wrong. Yeah. yeah. Because he's sort of, he's sort of picked his opponents by the side of it, or he hasn't fought those yeah. opponents to be able to put in those bad positions. Yeah. Um, like, I genuinely, from my, my limited stalking of him, um, I think the guy we fought in his pro debut is probably the stiffest bit of competition he's had, and that was ages ago. It's like, yeah, it's a strange one. It's not how I, I like. I, I'm glad I've not done that with my career. Um, yeah. It'd be great for my ego and stuff, just thinking, oh, I'm fucking, I'm undefeated. I've fought, yeah. I've, I've, I've walked through these people, but then like, you, I don't know. I, I, I can take quite a lot of pride in the fact that I have had a fucking tough, tough um, what's the word? Career uh, so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're it's been it's been a I don't think English properly so. Are you free to say career but then I went to show if you're looking for the, like a different <laughs> word to mean career. <laughs> <laughs> um, so George you're fighting for the uh, vacant lightweight battle. Battle? <laughs> we can't speak English either. <laughs> um, let's start that again. You're fighting for the vacant lightweight title on uh, July 22nd against Kyle Driscoll. Um, what do you know about him and how do you see it playing out? So I know he's got a wrestling base and he trains out of AK. All his style is very kind of, again, it's correct, but there's nothing crazy. I know his stand-up, it's not like a lot of flair. There's not a lot of power, but it still needs respecting. It's technically correct. It's, you know, it's tidy. His wrestling's his main thing. Obviously, training at AK and doing college wrestling and all that stuff. But in a, in a way, because he's not, like, super out of the ordinary, he's still really good, but he's not, like, out of the ordinary. All the training I've done, all my career, prepares you for an opponent like that. It's not like I've been matched up with some 
southpaw karate guy who does imanari rolls and eats 20 sardines for breakfast and then runs to the top of a mountain and does origami and wears sunglasses at night and does all the crazy <laughs> stuff. It's just kind of like, it's just a tidy, correct fighter. He'll be very proficient. He's got a really good grinding, like gas tank. And it's just being ready to go five rounds. Work out bad positions, work out bad positions. Oh, punish him, punish him, punish him. Work out, you know, work, defend the takedowns, then punish him. Yeah, I, I get the feeling like when, when you come to fight, like you just sit there and look at these ones and go, he doesn't look too good, you know, and you just sort of laugh between yourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, to be fair, like, because, like, we do more, so, like, I'll tend to study George's opponent more than George will study George's opponent, and George will study my opponent more than I will. And it's like, it's been really shit, this one, because Driscoll's boring as fuck. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> pain in the ass watching his shit fucking fights. Nearly falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's. A, I think that's a, a, a strategy of this. It's like, I'll make my fights that boring. People can't study them. <laughs> I did that. That must be the tactic. Be really boring. No one studies them, and then he surprises everybody because no one knows what to expect. Because they can't stay away for the fights. Then he comes out with southpaw karate and sardine <laughs> breath and origami and all that stuff that I just listed. <laughs> Do I uh, use um, each other's main sparring partners? Then, yeah, like yeah, we're probably. Probably, um, we do have some really good guys in the gym as well. It's like, it's we're in a weird position where like we're the only two pros in our gym, um, but they're uh, like they're a guy. Like, Big Alex hasn't fought MMA, but he is a fucking difficult, difficult round. Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand about MMA. We've gone and trained with people at different levels, like UFC level, and done really good. Like had really good rounds, and then we've had people like amateur who've not fought given us harder rounds in the gym. Obviously, it's not like they could just go out and then fight at a UFC level because it's completely different competing. But there's amateurs, you know, everyone will say this, there's amateurs will give you a harder time in the gym than certain pros and pro champions and UFC level fighters. Yeah, you think so that's I'm got thinking. anything to do with, like, you know, some of the pros might sort of hold back a little bit in sparring, whereas the amateurs just like, fuck it, I've got to make an impression. Um, possibly, but then, then again, I just think some like amateurs are coming to the gym fresh, and they just maybe they're hungry, and maybe they just have a different skill set. Mm. Yeah, like so certain times with um with so with some pros, not all of them obviously, but like with some, it's like again they're they're almost just doing things correct, and by doing things that just that are just correct. You're doing things that are just predictable. Mm. Like there's nothing, um, there's nothing unusual about it. But whereas, like, like Big Al, who we mentioned, like, he's obviously he was a British judo squad member, so he has like all kinds of fucking weird shit there, which makes him incredibly hard to deal with. Like, it's stuff you're not used to. So it's like, oh, I can't clinch him properly because uh, if I put my weight here. I'm just going to be flung about and it we can like offset your entire game because of that. Yeah, you just hip ons the fuck out of us. How big is Big Al? Big. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, he, he's not stepped on the scales in the gym in a while, but um, big. 
Yeah. Thick, solid, tight. I remember that meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's literally the best way you can explain it. Just big. Yeah. That's all yeah. you need to know. <laughs> um, so, George, obviously, this is um, the third opponent you've been scheduled to fight for the title. Has that affected your preparations at all with having so many different opponents, different skill sets? Has there been any effect on on your sort of yeah. preparation? Yeah, because it's kind of been like the opponent swaps have been quite different. First, it was Medi, who was like high-level footwork and grip boxing and in and out and has loads of flair and what have you. And then... The next matchup was this Danilo Belwado Italian guy who was just like a southpaw wrestler who just like bummed in on shots, bummed in on shots. And then he got fucking... I'm, I'm pretty sure I could say he got arrested now. You know, <laughs> fuck knows. Hypothetically, he did. Uh, don't put me in any shit. And then Capera, who was a judo guy, who I was well prepared for because of Big Al. Big Al. Yeah, Big Al. <laughs> it was like... Uh, judo guy with a, just a cement block head and a hard right hand and now it's it's come to Kyle Driscoll who's just a very correct fighter so <laughs> in terms of changing of the training it's like changed different boxes and techniques to work but uh, I think it's having that full medicamp was a good learning experience as well maybe I pushed it just a little too far for that in some respects you know mm. yeah it's like, oh, I didn't need to have that many spars that far out. Yeah. Whereas yeah. it's kind of just a bit balanced, a bit better now. It's only yeah. like micro changes, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, one thing that sounds like it's changed a lot is your enthusiasm. Like, <laughs> I have got Medi's footwork, and then your next opponents, you know, got, got good stuff. And then Kyle uh, is, yeah. This is a lot of, a lot of fighters aren't very, like, performance-focused and think, oh, I'm fighting a wrestler, he's going to grab on my single leg. There was, a, there was a day of training the other week where I'd done my sessions in the morning, strength and condition, whatever, done my wrestling on the night, tired, I just showered, and, like, dragging my feet toward, you know, after a shower, and I'm just thinking to myself, this guy's coming thousands and thousands of miles from America, and he trains with Khabib and Makachev and DC, and I get 25 minutes to fight him and test my skills against him. I was just grinning to myself. It's like, I get such fucking sick opportunities in my life. I'm just <laughs> happy to talk about it. You know, yeah, I can yeah. test my wrestling. I can test this, my wrestling fusion of Middlesbrough and Afghanistan against his wrestling fusion of America and Dagestan. Yeah, like he's got a fucking Khabib. We've got Abdul fucking Mohammed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, yeah. It's no comparison, really, is <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> So, Harry, yourself, then, um, you recently commentated at uh, Rise and Conquer 10 uh, back in May. Uh, what was that like as an experience for you? And is that something you'd like to revisit? Uh, yeah, it was good. Like, um, I was actually nervous for it, like, at the time. I, I was a bit like, oh, God, what, what if I'm, I'm shit? Because, like, I think. We, every fighter can say at some point that they've had a fight where the commentator has done such a shit job of commentating the fight it almost ruins watching it back. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm very well, I'm, I was well aware of, of that as a thing, but not like, uh, 
felt like I did a really good job. Um, like, I definitely want to do that again. Uh, I was like, getting fucking compliments of people. I had like loads of the fighters from that show fo- um, follow me afterwards. So I was like, oh, well, fuck, I'm, I'm good at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my last was a bit fuming that I just, I didn't turn up dressed smart. I, I just turned up in joggers and wore like the free shirt that they gave me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll probably have to make more of an effort next time, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's, it's all a learning experience you've, you've got to know that you can't do that to not do it next time haven't you so um, well I, I think I can do that it's fucking rise and conquer it's in Sunderland, oh, it's in Sunderland. <laughs> no one in Sunderland gives the slightest fuck out of your breast <laughs> to be fair yeah I didn't know it was in Sunderland you pyjamas and no one would yeah. give a fuck no to be fair I didn't know it was in Sunderland you were probably still the best dressed person there um, <laughs> what about yourself George is that something you'd ever Consider them, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I'd probably be more into doing like maybe a longer form analysis video than live commentary type thing, type of a thing. I got offered to judge for that, but they offered him commentary like 120 quid. Yeah, you don't talk about the money. Well, they offered, <laughs> him, commentary, they offered him commentary like X amount of quid. And then you want to decide it now. It's 120 quid. You want to decide. <laughs> well, well, the 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 offer for judging a much harder job was less. What's what's the currency in Zelda? Do they, do they use rupees in Zelda or whatever? Yeah, they, it's like they offered him. What's the currency in Zelda? <laughs> they offered him. They offered him <laughs> X amount of Mario coins and then <laughs> maybe significantly less to do judging, which is a harder job. So I thought, yeah, well, like, you know what? I'm going up. I'm going up a big hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to the lakes and went to a big hill instead. He went to the lakes with his last and went to the hill and, and seen some cows and stuff. I had some beans, yeah. Yeah. Sounds some like you did enjoy that more anyway than the pressures of judging. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, isn't that something you'd like you'd ever do if you got offered more uh, rupees like did you say sell the country well Mario coins <laughs> yeah, I think there might be a bit of a like a a Dunning-Kruger with it where I'm aware how difficult judging would be so I'd be less likely to take it whereas someone who possibly knows a lot less than me would think oh yeah I know loads Josh, just being like, oh, there might be a bit of a Dunning-Kruger there. Like, fucking Dunning-Kruger. Like, the Dunning-Kruger. It's very, it's very, like... Yeah, it's commonly known. Do, do either of you know what the Dunning-Kruger effect is? I can't say I do. It's like, well, you know when someone who's, like... Someone who's less intelligent on a given subject is more confident about their knowledge about it. So it's like someone, almost judging, basically. Yeah. <laughs> someone who's... More intelligent on a subject is less confident about it because they know how much they don't know. Well, right, right. I get, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean now. Um, but to be fair, that just seems like MMA judges in general. The amount of sort of mad card point scoring you see, uh, is part of off the chart. So, um, is that something you'd like to see though? Just on that, like, do you think more? Would you like to see more sort of ex fighters or even current fighters go into the judging side of the thing with that? Would that benefit the sport? See, there's there's two sides to that coin. The ex-fighters have been there. They've got more knowledge. They've spent decades of 
spend thousands and tens of thousands of hours training it and they know more about it. The other side to that coin is there are significantly more brain damaged demographic. <laughs> so <laughs> that is true, yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, a lot of ex and current fighters I'm gonna fucking clue what they do. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the 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 judging in the MMA is fucked. Like if, if you got places then probably always be fucked. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, yeah. In, in, my split decision loss to Luke on one of his training partners was judging that fight. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no bias at all. No, then, not, uh, not at all. No bias whatsoever. <laughs> like, I, I just remembered it the other day because I fucking, like, I just went back on Facebook, went back on, like, the guy's Facebook a little bit and seen him in a training room with Luke Hard. So I posted the pic- that picture with just a big red circle around it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the most professional things to do there, but fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I, have to, I think on your next fight, then, you'll have to, you know, whenever you're next fighting, Harry will have to get George on the judging card just to make it even. Uh... Oh, fucker! Well, I'm, not, I'm not giving Harry a fucking round. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. Usually, more the people that give give him the round rather than <laughs> rather than your brother. You know what I mean? But like, I didn't give you that round, even though you won it. So now you've got to go out and push more. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you sort of motivate each other by not scoring it for each other. <laughs> or instead of writing like a number next to his name, like ten or nine points, just like. Why did you do all these this round? <laughs> I did hear a funny story. I think he was like an ex-judo guy was was judging. And like the, the announcer got the thing to read out the decision. And it was like, he got like like 10 point must scorecards from other people. And they just got 7-4 written on George, George, are you writing on them? Why aren't I getting paid more for this? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, baby. <laughs> I want more rupees or I'm going up another hill. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's jump on to the next question. And this is for both of you. Um, so you've both fought on, on Bellator in the past. Um, so similar to the last, last question, what? What was that experience like, and were you surprised to get a call from them relatively early in your careers? Um, it was uh, it was all right. I met Big Nasty. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, it was. I think because um, sort of, I'm kind of like show, showing you behind the curtain a little bit of, of how MMA works. But Pete, one of our coaches used to train with Jude Samuel, the matchmaker of, mm. Bell- of um, Bellator Europe. And, like, obviously Jude Samuel didn't just put us on straight away, but, like, Pete was in a position where he could pester him for, like, a year, constantly <laughs> messaging him and annoying him. And that's kind of how it works. Like, that, that's what all managers <laughs> do and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it, it was good. It was, it was, like, good experiences, definitely, like... Um, but, like opened a lot of doors for us, got a lot of eyes on us. Yeah, it was it was good to do that, but the trouble with Bellator is, like, even in the best of times, you haven't got a fucking clue when you're fighting next. And, like, with COVID and all that, it was just, like, you could be, you'd fight, and then you'd have no idea when you... So, like, that, that's what a cage warriors is a lot better in, like, you you know when you're next fighting, almost. Like, yeah. 
you've got one fight out of the way and you've almost like got all right so the next thing it's like like last year it was like we got the fights in june out of the way and i was like right so the next thing is late september early october sound we can just prepare for that um and that's just a, a big advantage really um but yeah yeah and uh my first bellator fight in dublin it was just like quite an easy money nice holiday it was really i got the the fight offer like three weeks before it was at 180 pounds so there was no weight cut at all uh yeah just flew to dublin had a nice time i could have like i could go to the rolling donuts you know there's this donut chain called the rolling donuts all over dublin I could go to that before the wins. Fine. Uh, I think I had like burger, house fries, and a salad the night before the win. No cut. Uh, the other guy asked for a contract win because the other guy, Richard Keeley, would fight at 170. He asked for a contract no, win. I asked for a contract. Oh, uh, you know, he, asked- he wanted it at middleweight for some reason. And we were just like, uh, I don't think you're going to get anywhere near that. So <laughs> let's let's just ask for a contract weight of 180 pounds because then at least you'll be able to get close to that. Yeah, yeah, like not under the limit. Well, anyway, he weighs in like a 1.2 pounds over where there's no allowance on contract weight fights. If it's a catch weight fight, 180 pounds, you have to be 180 pounds exactly or under. Right. And you can't be, there's not that pound allowance. Uh, he didn't understand that. So I got like 20% of his purse for doing nothing. The fight was fairly simple. I, I took like two jabs. That was it. I just had like a grappling. I just grappled for eight minutes. Yeah, it was all just very sound. That was, it was a very easy experience. And then I had a day out in Dublin the next day. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. So when when you said um, 180 pound at the start, I thought you meant money again. I was going to say, George, why aren't you paying you lads? <laughs> Just, oh, uh... No, actually, about fucking money. George got considerably more for his Bellator fight than I did, so he can go fucking tell him. <laughs> <laughs> because the first one was short notice, and then Kylie was worried, so he got loads of Kylie's money. And then, like, the way it works, you, you know, you get like an extra X amount of money added on with each win so it was like mine wasn't a short notice contract for my first one so it was less money and then for my second one it was let it was less money than george for his second one because his first one was a short notice contract and then so now fuck him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you you're giving us quite a, a bit of insight here so thank you <laughs> um so we we're all about nicknames on this channel. Um, we love sort of just talk about nicknames and we've even helped a few fighters get theirs. Harry, I believe you've got one already, which is Houdini. Um, mm-hmm. George, I don't believe you've got one at the moment. Have any been, any been suggested that you've considered or are you just waiting for the right one to go? That's it. Uh, I've never, I've not considered them too much. People have just called me Geo sometimes, but you know, it's it's not a very like catchy nickname in terms of a, a ring that, announcer. Was that Geo? Did you say Geo? Like oh, just I've... the first three letters of George. All oh, right, <laughs> I, I thought you meant like congeal. Like, that wouldn't be good. Oh, congeal, maybe congeal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it wouldn't be the most creative one. It's like Anthony Joshua's nickname is AJ. It's like that's not a nickname. That's just your initials. Yeah, like you could go. With, I mean, you could go with that, but it's a bit. Uh, 
Be boring, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like there, there was a like a Middlesbrough football legend called George Hardwick, who there's like an actual there's a statue of him outside the Riverside Stadium. And his nickname was Gentleman George, but then you're a cunt. <laughs> it doesn't suit you at all. It's like I'm not asking someone how the day is. So, what's the polite way we can put that then, like to be able to make it suitable for broadcast? Cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Arsehole. Uh, well, uh, why? Why don't you just confuse people and have your name as George Harry Hardwick and then <laughs> just get confused? Then, <laughs> well, one thing, um, it's too nerdy and Japanese, but it's like, like, consider God Hand for two reasons. One, one of my favorite games ever is this stupid game called God Hand, where, like, yeah, look it up, it's fucking, it, it's so retarded but so amazing it came out like 2006 and sold like a thousand copies but then everyone who's actually played it and completed it is like fuck that's the best video game that's ever been made but um, also was it Masoyama oh the fucking the guy who claimed he killed a cow with a punch <laughs> no did, did he claim to kill him with punches or by exhaustion oh no yeah he wrestled a it was like, I don't... Oh, yeah, he's just... Because it sounds weird. He was a karate guy. I think he was a guy... Yeah. He made... That's God Hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not the, the... There's the good cover art where it looks where the fist's actually going through his mouth. Uh, <laughs> it's like... That's God the sense God Hand would get cancelled if it came out now. Like, it fucking... There's no way you could bring out God Hand in 2022. Not... <laughs> like, not a, not a chance. But... Um, but yeah, also Masoyama, I think he was the guy who was like pretty much the inventor of Kyokushin karate, which is the most entertaining karate. His nickname back in the day was God Hand. And then it's got that ring to it of like double alliteration kind of. God Hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, just, it's just too nerdy almost. Yeah. I, oh. But did, didn't you say you loved the game? So it's not really nerdy, is it? Hey. <laughs> is it more just you think you'd have to explain it too too often to people? Yeah. I'll have to carry around a copy of God Hand. <laughs> yeah. like, bring out the manual. <laughs> it costs like, if I want to buy a PS2 disc of God Hand, it's like 100 to 200 quid these days. It's one of them rare ones. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, you could just show someone the... So like, whenever... God Hand was very sort of like every ist you could be sexist, kind of homophobic, a little bit racist. It was just everything. Um, <laughs> so, like, do you know, like in games where if you stun an enemy and this prompt comes up and you can do like an attack on them? So, like, because God Hand was made by the same guy who made Resident Evil 4. Mm. So, like, if you shot the zombies in the face in Resident Evil 4, the button prompt would come and you go kick or suplex and you'd press yeah. it and you'd do that. In God Hand, any female enemy you do that to, the prompt would be spank. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why George liked it so much. <laughs> it's the only thing I've ever heard where the director's like, yeah, do you know what? I probably had too much creative to try. <laughs> 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 uh, see how much PS2s are, I didn't see how much that game is. We've <laughs> <laughs> uh, just got the energy I joke commenting saying you know palm king's <laughs> that's that true <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Are you aware of what a Palmo is? I've I've heard you talk about it before. Um, George, do you want to do the honours? I, I explained what <laughs> Palmo is on a podcast very recently. So, <laughs> flattened, breadcrumbed, fried, bechamel sauce on top, then cheese, put under the grill. That's like your base Palmo. Oh, it's delicious. Other variations come with like hot shot Palmo, which has on the cheese. You know, it's toppings like a pizza. You've got like uh, pepperoni, jalapenos, chili flakes, whatever. You, you get bolognese Palmos with bolognese in the cheese, mushroom Palmos. There's one with uh, pulled pork in it from Central Park. It's absolutely like the best regional dish. You know, like you go to some places like Hull has uh, spice chips. That's just chips with powder on it <laughs> anyone could do that right. uh, what's the Wigan kebab it's like it's just a pie, oh, pie on a bu- pie on a like roll isn't it bread roll yeah and it's a it's a pie with potatoes in it as well it's like just oh the palmo is the best regional dish the thing with the palmo as well is you, always, you almost always get it with garlic dip it's like garlic milk and it's fucking strong. It makes garlic mayo everywhere else just shit. Well, it's not even garlic mayo. It's like aioli or something everywhere else. Well, like, <laughs> aioli can't... Like, when, when I was in Spain recently, like, aioli was like, okay, the garlickiness in this is sort of... Okay. It's it's an acceptable level. It's not at a, like, a proper fucking make-your-sweat-stink level, which is what a, <laughs> what Middlesbrough garlic sauce is like. Uh, I love when, like, fights and starts all about foods. Like it's just there's a lot of a lot of passion about it because yeah. you sort of deprive yourselves, don't you? Yeah, what that is is that it's not just fighters. I think it's anyone who in a, in a competes in a weight class sport probably ends up with borderline eating disorders or like <laughs> eating disorders. So we're laughing about it, but that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it it must be mad. You know what I mean? Like you cutting weight, you're depriving yourself of like. Palmos and everything, and then like you look at someone like Paddy, like when he, he's finished his fight, he's straight in there eating, and people are like, why can't you just not eat so much? But for some people, it must be hard, you know what I mean? It's must well, be like a battle thing, sometimes. Well, I had this thing where when I fought a welterweight, I had quite a few fights of welterweight, there was no weight cut, maybe I would diet like a kilo off or something, not nothing real. Uh, when I fought a 180, that Bellator fight I was just on about, um. I think I weighed in like 77 or 70 years or something. You weighed in 175 pounds in heavy, thick shorts with pockets full of change because we didn't want to be too light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was like 78 then. Never, And I would just force feed myself a lot of the time, think I've got to like pack on calories. I'm fighting big people. I'm training loads. Never put on a gram. Went back down to lightweight to fight Nicolo Solli in Bellator after. Uh, went to Italy to that fight. That was the first time I cut down to lightweight in however long. It was like the first cut I'd had in a while. Get down to 70, uh, back up to 77 for the fight. But within days, I'm up to 84 after the fight. It's it's like you teach your body to hold on to everything and you just have this this mad craving. I, I had food poisoning for two of those days as well. And then I still managed to put back on to 84, 85. <laughs> and it's like, that was the first time I'd cut weight in ages. <coughs> I had the fight with Nicole Solly, stayed up to watch Adesanya versus Costa, which 
wasn't worth staying up for. <laughs> and then at that, at that point, I just thought, well, I'm awake. It's all <coughs> I didn't sleep because I wanted to get the breakfast. Like, I'd been dieting all week because it was COVID. You were in the hotel bubble all week. I'd been dieting and I couldn't have these massive breakfasts, really. So I'm like, I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to stay up and pace around until it's breakfast. And I just went mental on it. I think the breakfast started at like seven and I was there at seven. Just <laughs> stuff on my plate, like over and over and over. Yeah, it does something to you, cutting weight. Yeah. Uh, how long was you there for? Did it take you long to finish the breakfast? Like, I was just down in a few minutes. Um, I like to I like to multi-course it. You know, like you start off with a bit of cereal to get you going. You know, all the you know not the most like amazing stuff, and then you get all the cooked stuff. But they had loads of different cooked stuff. Like, like they had like all kinds of fish stuff that I like, like cook. You know the continental stuff the classic eggs and everything and then they have the pastries the pastries is like your third course so it's like a three course thing cereal cooked pastries with like hot chocolates and they had jars of nutella and i was just eating the jars of nutella <laughs> from the table like the little mini jars <laughs> see i'd lost that night before and i got really really drunk and then just i wasn't awake by breakfast <laughs> um right okay so let's go into to the next one then so obviously we, we've suggested this in in the past this is for you george um we know you have trained with him in the past but a, a fight with adam cullen uh, in the future is that something you would entertain like he's about entertaining fighters he's on a spree right now we know you're gonna get that title is that something you'd entertain in the future? In... Hello? Hello? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Just uh, for a second. <laughs> did... I think they would have sat still, John. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, uh, did you get the question or would you like me to repeat oh, it? Oh, yeah, I got the question. But the plan is to win this belt and then be defended and then get off to the UFC, whatever. It's like, if I absolutely had to, you know, you know, it's business at the end of the day. I know yeah. there's a lot of people to fight. I don't know how many fights he'd have to get to towards the title. You don't really know. If you absolutely had to, there was no other way. Yeah. 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 But I want to go and train with him more. He's a really sound guy. Yeah. 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 I'm. I'm. I'm not even saying that's right. Think you share between you because I know you He's have trained and that, but I just think a, a matchup between you would be sick. Like. Yeah, I mean that's like sort of a, a dream fight when you put it together. You know what I mean, very entertaining yeah, fight. He's exciting as fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. No, like no wasted time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's the same for both fields, though. And you know, he's just straight in there and just taking your opponent out. So, just don't get paid by the hour. So, yeah, make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> I remember because um, he got that. He got um like an anaconda choke where he used his legs to like trap the arm as well first time I went to Next Gen I was doing rounds with Adam Cullen and we were drilling that move we got shown that move and we were drilling it so it's That's just sick being that like we've trained that move you know they're showing us that move and using the legs on the anaconda and then seeing him get it in like 90 seconds or whatever it was a minute Yeah, you know it's just sick to see I like watching yeah. that fight go oh, 
I remember the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, remember him, I remember him and um, Adam showing us that. Oh, sick, sick scene, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, does that happen a lot where you're like, you'll, you'll do something in practice, like whether it be like a combo and you actually put that practice into to a fight the and most, it pays off? The most impressive thing is when you do shit you've never done in fights. <laughs> I've ne- like where it's like I've never practiced that in my life, but it's just happened. Wow, <laughs> that's the best thing. <laughs> you then have to go and train that move. It's like, look, I don't know how I've done it, but like, here's what happened, and that just that, it just that. Yeah, like, I got like I got a flying armbar in the jits comp fucking years and years ago now, like probably about seven years ago, something like that. But um, I never drilled flying armbars. It was just my back was really stiff that day, and I didn't want to wrestle. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do this and it landed and I was like alright happy days uh, yeah. <laughs> have, have you hit that move since? no <laughs> maybe has he George? Um, I've used I've like went for it and swept because I like I, I did actually go use it as a sweep on someone in a jiu-jitsu comp a while afterwards. It was proper annoying as well at that one because it was like, like I won that one, but it was just like, I was against this 10th Planet guy and it was a jiu-jitsu comp in our own gym. So I, I just couldn't really be asked because like it's hard to get in that. And then he goes for this fucking rolling truck bullshit and actually he actually gets it on me and then all the 10th planet guys go like whoa oh my god and then <laughs> the fucking, oh, prick so i just fucking like yeah i got up and then went for like a flying arm bar and swept him with it and then just started being a right cunt when i got in front <laughs> like smothering his mouth but apologizing to him like oh i'm sorry sorry about this <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sorry but i'm not really sorry you know what i mean <laughs> you know someone wants uh who do loads of jiu-jitsu competitions but he didn't really know any wrestling or any takedowns, so his flying armbar. Flying armbar because he didn't know any takedowns, and sometimes he'd work, sometimes he'd sweep, sometimes he'd just end up on his ass. That's Dan Lewis, he's a fucking beast. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Look at that. Right, Harry. The next one is is for you then. So you're currently on a three fight win streak at the moment. Um, when you get the win uh, next week, how far off a title shot do you think you'll be at that point? Um, well, the featherweight division's fucking odd. So I could be title fight next. I could be title fight in a fight or two. Who the fuck knows? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna beat fuck out of Pasquale, and then just start chatting loads of shit. I don't know. I'll just call out everybody. Um, <laughs> they've, they've just in the last few days announced James Hendon versus Tobias Varilla and Jeremy Petley versus Steve Amable, which are both like big featherweight fights um, for the London card George is on. Um, Ruchenik's probably not going to be defending his belt anytime soon. Um, I think, I'm not sure when his contract runs out or if he's going to the UFC. We don't know what's happening there. Um, Paul Hughes is injured, I think. I don't know how badly. So yeah, it's just one of those where like the belt is either it could be locked up for a while or it could just suddenly just become like a fucking the belt could become very vacant it could be this mad scramble for it it could become available so I've just got to like beat Pasquale in a way where I don't take a huge amount of damage um, don't get me wrong I'm willing to totally fuck myself physically for, to get the win but I'd rather not um, and then just be ready because like say 
I get a big performance against Pasquale. I don't know, one of the four guys I've just mentioned gets a big performance in London. They could just be like, well, this is this is the fight that makes sense for the title. So we'll put this together. You, I just don't know. So I've just got to just keep fighting. It's like the featherweight division in Cage Warriors is fucking mental at the minute, to be fair. Um, like, it's ridiculously tough. Like, whoever breaks through the featherweight division, like Cage Warriors' featherweight division and goes to the UFCs, will be taking a big step back in competition for the first however many fights in the UFC. Like, that, like the featherweight division is stacked as fuck. It's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, like... Yeah, it's, I, I feel like most of the top of the Cage Warriors featherweight division now is easily top 10, top 5 UFC standard. Like, yeah. easily. Um, so, yeah, just got to be like, batter Pasquale, um, you know, punch his teeth in and that. And then just see what, like, how the fucking landscape of the division yeah. is afterwards. Just, yeah. Would you say it's more you've got to sort of go out and make a statement at the moment with the featherweight division? Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll just be whoever looks most impressive at the time. Really, I feel like that's that's going to be it at the minute. Um, and then it's like, it's a spot with so many moving parts. It could just be who's healthy at the time. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many title fights that are decided by, well, this guy was lined up to fight for the title, but his fucking uh, Duardinum's knackered or something. Fucking, we have to get, we get this other guy in. <laughs> Got to yeah. keep rolling with it, essentially. Like, I'll, I'll beat Pasquale, I'll make it known that I won the title fight, and then just fucking roll with it and see what happens. Um, yeah. By the end of the year, I'll have the belt. Like, I'm saying that now. But whatever fucking confusing, weird Cage Warriors featherweight division path that is, I'll have to go through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sad. Um, so this next one's for, for the both of you then. So you fight out the Middlesbrough Fight Academy. Um, could you both just take a moment just to give your coaches a shout out and sort of explain how, how important they've been to your careers? So, our main coach, our boss, Abdul Mohammed. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, what ends up bringing, like, fighter and coach together? And it's just amazing thinking his story coming from Afghanistan, ending up in the UK, ending up in Middlesbrough. You know, and he fought in Cage Rage, was a Cage Rage champion. He was a Cage Warriors champion and back in 2004. I was just thinking about that the other day. It's like, how fucking lucky... Mm. we've been to go our first MMA gym it's run by Abdul Mohammed, like a real fucking legend mm. of MMA so it's like our main coach is Abdul Mohammed. we also train with Peter Irving another legend of UK MMA we go to Newcastle for that you know those and then but he got butthurt because I, did, <laughs> I didn't shout him out in Paddy's podcast Unit 29 Fitness with Andy Coulson our strength and conditioning coach <laughs> excellent, excellent strength and conditioning coach. Um, one of Phil DeRoost's uh, 
Disciples. Disciples. No, but like, you know, t- we're still lucky to have like a top level strength conditioning coach there who, you know, he's a strength conditioning coach for like lots of like the Sun- Sunderland 40 players, lots of 40 players, boxers, and like he knows how to do strength conditioning and run strength and conditioning programs for fighters. Um, so we're really lucky to have that near. Um, yeah. So there we go, Andy. There's your shout out. I've shouted you out a few times now. <laughs> that, that's it. You've had your fill. <laughs> I, lo- I love how you tried to sort of stay in character there, but again, like with words, <laughs> just Dwayne coming to you. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, we'll, be, we'll be dead lucky. Like I, having the combination of Abdul and Pete is ridiculous. Like we're we're really lucky, and then. You know, our gym doesn't have other pro fighters, um, but it's it's got a fucking good level in the room. It's like it's got like really top quality guys. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 fucking good. MFA is good. Yeah, is the fighters in the gym that are sort of close to going pro at the moment? Uh, not really. Um, no, it's like it's it's actually quite like the amateur squad's quite. Young at the minute, really. We haven't got some anyone with really like a lot of a lot of amateur fights. We we did have a few people, um, and we did have someone like GoPro and, and and then retire last year. Like just like sort of life got in the way, um, you know, which which happens. I'm not going to fucking you know. I'll never force someone to stay in the brain damage spot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like. It is a good, it's a good little gym. There's lots of good people there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so this one's for both of you again. Um, UK MMA at the moment is, is absolutely flying. Um, do you think this is the best position UK MMA has ever been in? And how, how fortunate do you feel yourselves are being part of what could be sort of considered like a golden generation of UK MMA? It's, it is fucking, it's good at the minute, like... Um, and I just feel like if you ever end up watching like the prelims on a UFC card in America, or if you ever end up watching like regional American shows, the standard is nowhere near as good as UK MMA at the minute. UK MMA is UK MMA at the minute is a fucking like the standard's ridiculous, and it's and it's getting better. Like um, you know, like George Staines is only an amateur. Both of us have sparred him, and like he's given us a fucking really hard like he's better than both of us were at that age by like a huge margin um and joe field oh yeah, I suppose, yeah joe fields might be like going pro he's he's a lot at our gym um number one ranked flyweight in the uk it's like he sort of like rep, still represents his gym back home in hull a bit as well and like all the train between them but like you know he's better than we were at that age um like the sport is just fucking moving fast and it's it, it's developing fast in the uk um and then obviously like this the, the ufc is doing its second event of the its second uk event of the year um this i feel like there's going to be a lot of momentum off this so yeah things are looking bright yeah definitely. that the joe fields is a, a very uh very very good amateur and that fight with their child you guys got from us very interesting as well um mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously your training partner, but how do you see that 
that play out with Fields and Sharwin? Um, Fields, gun bopping. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so finally, then, lads, um, what can we expect from both you for for the rest of the year? Obviously, you've got your fights coming up, but after that, do you just plan on fighting again this year, or uh, what? What what can we expect? I'm gonna smack Pasquale about for a bit, get fat for a bit. Hopefully, fight in like September, October time. And then, injury, you know, touch, touch wood, injuries permitting, fight again in December. Like, I'd, I, you know, I, I didn't get to fight in the first half of this year, but I still feel like I can get three fights in this year. Mm. Um, but like, because I got th- my three fights last year within like a six month period. So, if I, I feel like I could definitely do that again. Um, that would be nice. Get myself on like a six fight winning streak, get a Cage Warriors belt. Uh, and then spend Christmas getting really drunk. I'm really fat again. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? Uh, uh, for me, I don't really care about anything until uh, beat Kyle Driscoll, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. It's like, I want to be consistent after that. I'm not, you know, sometimes people have got their belt uh, they hold on to it and think it's like an automatic ticket and then they've lost like a year or two of their career because they just sat around I don't want to do that I want to compete more especially with like the international scope of Cage Warriors broadening out you know this is quite a quite a historic fight for Cage Warriors and UK MMA my title fight it's the first time they've had this big like a, a US versus UK title fight and ju- Juicy J for Paddy Oh yeah, Junior. Yeah, <laughs> apart from that. <laughs> well, apart, apart from that. But you know, but you know, with the scene now with Cage Warriors, yeah, you're screwing up there. I don't know how I because I was I was watching a podcast where he's talking about that fight the other day. But yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, Apartheid did headline the Cage Warriors San Diego, and he's like, he's an American talent that they brought up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a bit different. It's not like uh yeah, but still, especially now with Cage Warriors expanding into San Diego, it's it's kind of like it it opens floodgates for people going back and forth, I think. Yeah. And this is like the first one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I retract what I said. I'm gonna beat Pasquale and then I'm just gonna beg Ian Dean and Graham Boylan to get me a fight in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, that that's one thing I was just going to ask you. Obviously, with, with the ex- expansion and that, like you met, mentioned before about uh, fighting Italian fighters, they're looking to go over to Italy. Is that something that you'd be interested in going over to Italy, Italy and fighting? Yeah, because when we went to Italy before, we didn't really go to Italy. Yeah, we got locked in a hotel for a week because of <laughs> <laughs> <Elvis> regulations. Yeah. <laughs> We could mix it. Like, it was the most ridiculous thing ever. There were fucking guests coming in and out of the hotel. The staff were coming in and out of the hotel. We were mixing it with them. We were just, like... We were in the same lifts. We were using the same... Hat, like, that. it was the most pointless quarantine I've ever in. Like, <laughs> it was literally just to say they were doing it. It was so dumb. Well, what's that hotel in America that, that, that the song meant to be based on? Where you go, but you don't leave? 
Oh, no, Hotel California. Yeah, as you showed oh, yeah. it, it went, went dark. Like, <laughs> you, you were in there, but you couldn't leave. Everyone else was coming in. <laughs> you check out any time you want. You can <laughs> never leave and then get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's, uh, I, I think that, that's everything. That's all, all the questions we have for you. It's been absolutely amazing having you on, lads. She's uh, always tough fun in that. Um, I look forward to, to seeing you, you fighting and getting those wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheers, man. Um, yeah, looking forward to it too. Take it easy, lads. Right, thanks for joining us. Take it easy. Right. Thanks for having us on, lads. Yeah. Were super necessary.